I think the red flags are us consistently chasing the next 10 or 100x and thinking that you're going to make a lot of money overnight with very little work done on your own behalf. I think the areas that Web3 is doing extremely well is making friends online. For the first time in six months, I've started using Discord again. I'm going in and I'm having meaningful conversation with strangers and they feel extremely productive to me. And so your question about mental health and how to get through a market like this, I think it's less about looking for investment opportunities. I think that's the thing that's going to cause a lot of negative mental health issues. And the thing that's going to help you get through that is really just finding pockets of 5, 10, 25 people who are all very invested in the same idea as you and spending a lot of time on it. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. What is good, gentlemen? This is a rare edition of the NFT Now podcast. We have the the three NFT Now co-founders. Matt, Ale, how are we feeling? Feeling great. Feeling great. Glad to have Ale aboard this time. Let's go. Phenomenal. Gracias for having me here, guys. Thank you for having me. means a lot, man. You're not the guest today, bro. You're the (laughs) 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 co-host. Who who we got on today, Matt? (laughs) You mean besides Alejandro? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. We'll pivot the show. (laughs) So we we have got Cooper Turley, uh, known on socials as Koopa Troopa. Uh, very active figure in the Web3 space. He led crypto strategy at Audius. He was an advisor at Friends with Benefits. He's an avid investor, and he has emerged as one of the leading champions of music NFTs. Uh, very excited for this episode and to hear his perspective. Sam, uh, what are some high-level points that you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the this is a fascinating conversation because I think the music industry is a, a vertical that's ripe for disruption. And I think music NFTs are really have this opportunity to change that paradigm. Like there's certain musicians like RAC that have been able to generate the equivalent revenue of 10 million streams across traditional streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music through 100 NFT collectors. So I think we, we always talk about this notion of a thousand true fans. And if you have a thousand true fans that are really picking up what you put down, you can really sustain your career as an artist. I think in the music industry to date, that's largely been a fallacy. It's been impossible to really make ends meet unless you're an elite artist. But I think uh, NFTs change that paradigm, um, bring merit back to that notion of a thousand true fans. And I think what we do in today's conversation with Cooper is Cooper does a fantastic job at really distilling it down into specific models, how artists and their team can really think about engaging in the space, different types of drops, different case studies, different platforms to be aware of. So I think this is a, a super tactical episode. I think Cooper is one of the most knowledgeable people on the topic. So really excited to dive in. Ali, what stood out to you? All that and more. I think Cooper just always brings a really excellent and holistic point of view in terms of anything that he really accomplishes. I really love how he was being grounded to the notion of how early music NFTs really are and the pain points that artists are seeing um, in terms of launching and distributing and minting their NFTs and engaging their fans. Right. And the different types of fans that are engaging in the space and the, the challenges that have overcome and the opportunities, like you mentioned, Sam, and the opportunities that are there and the tools and the resources that are available for individuals that really stood out to me as well. Keeping it keeping it really grounded, keeping it really real, but also showcasing the road to a brighter, more evolved uh, future for music NFTs. Um, and speaking of which, um, this is just a quick reminder to please. Join us in our Discord community where we have a ton of alpha giveaways, you know, uh, official content that's exclusively available on our Discord community. Please join us today at discord.gg slash NFT now. And without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Cooper Turley. Cooper, what's happening, man? How you feeling? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is actually a really full circle moment because for those of you that aren't aware, kind of Cooper and I actually first crossed paths in January, February 2021 when I was running the, the Music Business Podcast. And that was my first entry point into NFTs and done 100 episodes of that podcast. And it was the first time in a long time where I was like wild eyed inspired. So you sent me like head first deep down the rabbit hole. Here we are a year later looking at NFT now, man. So special moment. I want to say thanks right off top. 
Well, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm excited because today we're talking about the very thing that brings those two worlds together. Music, music business podcast, NFT now, NFTs, right in the middle, music, NFTs. Let's dive into it. Indeed, man. I think for starters, it'd be great for you just to kind of set the stage with um, like, what are some of the problems that are just like present in the music industry within the kind of the current like Web 2 model, if you will? Yeah. So this was what got me into Web 3 in the first place was the lack of expedited royalty systems. So if I stream your track on Spotify today, chances are you won't see anything from that payment for three to six months. And if you do see anything, it's going to be a fraction of a penny, probably not the amount that I actually consumed your music. And so broadly, I think more transparent systems around payment is really important. And then I think deeper artist to fan relationships where I can actually understand who's listening to my music and who are the people that like my music the most are some of the areas that I've been focused on. I love that. How do you feel NFTs can help solve some of those issues? Mainly just more opportunity to connect directly with creators. I think there's a very big design space for musicians in particular to be able to put out records on chain and sell those directly to fans. We've never really seen a secondary market for music before. And so in the same way that some super fans collect vinyl records, we now have this opportunity to get exposure to an artist project or to an individual song and do that through the likeness of NFTs. I feel like this has been so fun to watch develop because we've all seen the rise of PFPs and crypto art and sort of all these other sectors of NFTs in particular. I think music has a very special opportunity to go mainstream just by nature of how much people consume music on a day-to-day basis. And so I've been really excited just to figure out what are the ways that we can get more NFTs into the hands of average fans? And I think that music is a really good opportunity to be able to do that. And I'm curious too, just uh, to make this very like tactical for, I mean, some people aren't as familiar with music NFTs. We've seen generally like two different models of music NFTs emerge. You kind of have this like art versus utility camp on the art side. It's kind of uh, tokenizing and creating just a kind of NFT of an actual song or music video. Then on the other side, you have these very utility-driven projects where it almost acts as a owning an NFT is access to a modern-day fan club of sorts. Can you just kind of dive a little bit deeper into different types of NFTs and then also where you kind of stand on this notion versus art versus utility? Yep. So I think there's a spectrum. I would say that collectible NFTs are sort of the base principle here. So basically a tokenized version of a song or an album. I'm collecting either a fixed quantity of that asset or an open edition, but basically there's a limited number of copies representing one song or album. I think as you go farther down that spectrum, those collectible assets can now have utility where, as you mentioned, I can get into a private Discord server, I can get early tickets to a show, or in the case of some projects, I can actually have ownership and master owner rights over the underlying copy. This is sort of the primitive that it exists on. I would say from my perspective, I sit with collectible assets being the base unlock here, where it's basically just a collectible version of a song. And if you want to, you can keep layering on utility on top of that. But at its core, you're basically collecting a tokenized record. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, given all of all of your experience in the music NFT space, what have been some of your favorite models that you've seen for utility? I think we're still figuring it out. I actually don't think that there's a great model for utility yet. I think that we're very much still in the early phases, you know, similar to Nifty Gateway back in the day, where people were collecting assets based on the likeness of a brand or a creator. And so for many music NFTs right now, I think people are collecting them to support the creators that are releasing them. So in the case of someone like Daniel Allen, people are collecting his music NFTs because it's a music track that's been tokenized by Daniel Allen. I don't think people are necessarily collecting based on what they can do with that music NFT. They more so just want to support that creator and more succinctly just have exposure to his upside. I think where this gets exciting is once these fan communities start to get bigger, um, there's opportunities for utility in the form of access and governance. So being able to have decisions over what to do with secondary sales or proceeds that go to a treasury, or more broadly, opportunities to grow into leadership positions within those communities. So if I'm collecting a music NFT from Daniel, There's a real world where I start to meet him as a creator. And then if we zoom out over three to six months, I'm now a community manager in his Discord and I'm spending my day-to-day basis helping to expand his artist economy and everything that comes with it. I love Daniel's music. Just got to give a huge shout out to Daniel on here. But um, Cooper, you touched on something that's really awesome. I think that you highlighted both extrinsic and intrinsic motivators for the fandom to hold these NFTs. But the real question is like, do you see the secondary market for music NFTs growing in the same way we've seen in the PFP and digital art uh, NFT communities? Absolutely. I think that every song that gets uploaded will probably have a music NFT associated with it at some point in time. I think that on-chain secondary sales are the new master royalty. And so for many artists that are thinking about plugging into the space today, you know, I actually think that secondary sales on OpenSea are debatably more important than streams on Spotify right now. No, that's fascinating. So to see how it plays out. Now, I'm curious because when it comes to um, like, why would people want to buy a song they can stream virtually for free? 
or they can virtually stream for free. Like uh, what, what's the, I just, as people are starting to navigate this space, I think it's important to understand what some of the psychological drivers are. I like to say it's free to listen and valuable to own. You should always be able to stream that track. I think what we're seeing is a trend towards all music, basically being able free to get at some place, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube, you can basically listen to any record for free if you want to. But having a fixed limited quantity of those records, I think creates a different dynamic for fandom. And so if I really resonate with the song right now, the best I can do is like it, maybe add it to a playlist, maybe share it on my Instagram story. But I don't have any exposure to the underlying song success. I don't really have an opportunity to show people that I really love this song. And so I think what we're targeting here is not every single person who streams a song. It's that top 1% of fans that really, really love that record. And they want to have a deeper relationship with it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, my, I always say my, my dad, I grew up with my dad collecting rare, rare like music memorabilia. So the idea of the collectability around music always made sense to me. Um, what, what's really interesting to think about, though, as we as we see like secondary markets develop, um, the, the, that kind of balance between speculation uh, and like that intrinsic motivation to just support an artist like for the purpose of, of uh, supporting them. And we've seen how in like the PFP space, the digital collectible space and, and, and even, you know, the crypto art space, that speculation has like has had both positive and negative forces on, on the market and also on the creators. How do you see as the secondary market develops and how do you see that kind of playing out uh, in the music context? It's a really tricky situation because most artists are not well suited to be the brokers of their own artist economy. You know, they just want to release music. And I think with Web3, we're now asking them to do things like price out a drop, worry about the secondary market, worry about governance. And this is something that's very foreign to most artists. I would say the benefit of that is that right now it's economically viable to the point where it actually makes sense to allocate more time towards sort of your NFT playbook just by virtue of how much money you're making on it relative to something like streaming right now. But it's an incredibly challenging pattern. And to be frank, I don't think anyone has the playbook figured out yet. I think people are dropping on a lot of different platforms. They're doing a lot of things and trying to see what sticks. They're loosely forming a collector base. But I would be lying if I said that all of those collectors are diehard fans of that artist. In fact, most of those collectors are actually people who are just in Web3 and excited about the opportunity for music NFTs. While there is a tiny crossover there, I do think that most people are collecting with the hope of making a return in the future. And so that naturally requires artists to start thinking about how do I drive secondary sales? How do I drive up my floor price? You know, How do I make sure that these things are trading hand? And it's a very scary question because for a lot of musicians, they've never had to do that before. But I think the exciting opportunity there is if you are an artist that's willing to lean into that, I think there's a lot more upside because everyone is now collectively having this conversation together. Instead of you operating in a silo over here, putting out music and then letting your fans consume it, it now becomes a very two-way relationship where you're engaging with those top collectors and saying, hey, what can I do to give back to you? What do you think that we can do to drive awareness to this project? And I think that that system of building deep relationships with your fans is actually very net beneficial at the end of the day. You bring up some really good point in terms of the relationship that we have with the musicians and the artists, with their community and their fans, right? Do you envision a better consumption layer for music NFTs beyond looking at the collection on your OpenSea or LooksRare profile from that perspective? I sure as hell hope so, because right now it is absolutely terrible to listen to music NFTs. I think one of the biggest reasons that they haven't been adopted <laughs> in the same way that other NFTs have is the visibility layer is just terrible, quite frankly. You know, you can set your PFP on Twitter. You can go ahead and show it off very easily take a picture of it, put it on Instagram. Music is a very different consumption experience. You know, you actually have to listen to a track. You know, you might be able to share a cover art, but it's very difficult to tell the full story of that with the cover art itself. So there's a lot of uh, apps that are coming out now to help support better music NFT streaming. Um, I'll call out like Future Tape, which is fantastic. Spinamp, which is awesome. And these are basically programs where you can just connect your wallet and then it allows you to play your music NFTs. I obviously are a long way away from that being in its final state, but I think that eventually what's going to happen is all of your music NFTs will be able to be streamed in the same way you make a, a playlist on Spotify. And if I want to share my music NFTs, I'll probably just go ahead and share my playlist and everything in that playlist will probably be my collection of music NFTs. And I, I'm curious too, when you think about the, just like artists that have been creating positive precedents, like I realize there's still tons of white space and opportunity to innovate and do new things. So there's by no means a desire to necessarily like replicate and just try and rinse and repeat. Although there definitely are some like great principles that have emerged in some fantastic case studies. Who are some of the people you find yourself, different musicians that you commonly point to as far as like what they're doing is a great model that we should definitely pay attention to and learn from? Yeah, I would say broadly being consistent with your releases is really important. Before I name any individual artists, I think having a consistency where every time that I put out a record, I want to do something in Web3 with it is sort of the benchmark that I look for here. So some artists that I think are really exciting to keep an eye on, RAC, who's a close friend of mine, he's been operating in the space for a very long time. He's been tokenizing a lot of his records. We mentioned Daniel before, and I think Daniel is such a great example because he's tokenized 
all of his releases from the past year and been very forward about the fact that the Web3 nature of those releases is debatably more important than releasing it on Spotify. Um, I'll call out Latasha, who's been doing a fantastic job challenging the medium of music videos and sort of other creative expressions of music, which has been fantastic. Oshi is another example of someone who's been tokenizing a lot of his records. He has a bunch on catalog. He's doing a lot of different drops on sound. He recently had a Beat Foundry drop. And I think the thing that I look for with a lot of these artists is not necessarily, you know, how much do you care about the space from a high level? It's like, how much are you actually minting your records on chain? If I go and look at your last five releases on Spotify, could I theoretically go and collect a version of that if I wanted to pay enough money for it? If the answer is yes, I think that's the system that we want to start curating is basically the intent that every time that you put out a record, there should be a collectible version of it. And if you care enough to foster that side of your community, you're going to start to see some really incredible things. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. And it's interesting too, you know, coming from the music industry, um, when I first started kind of posting about NFTs, I had so many artists reaching out for me with to, to me with, with questions. And I'm sure that you get this a lot too, Cooper. Um, and so, and I know you've helped artists like Tycho and others really enter the space, which is really great to see. Um, how do you help them navigate the landscape of different music NFT platforms? I'm sure it's one of the most common questions you get, but also one of the most important ones. Like, which ones do you think are are the right ones for which artist, and which do you think will help be able to help foster mainstream adoption? It's fascinating because the answer to this changes literally every single week. You know, what I would have told artists to do six months ago is very different from three months ago, which is very different from today. If we were to focus on what's out there today, I would say if you are an artist that has a larger brand behind them, you know, I'd recommend looking into curated platforms like SoundXYZ, like Catalog, like Royal, and basically deciding where it makes sense for you to really make a, a statement with your first drop. You know, maybe to break that down a little bit further, if you're tokenizing some of your back catalog and you just want to do it as a fun experiment, I think catalog is a fantastic place just to throw a record up and see if someone resonates with that on a one-to-one basis. If you're someone that's newer to the scene and looking to get a little bit of street cred within Web3, I think SoundXYZ is a great opportunity to sort of lean into the culture. And if you're a major artist, someone like the Chainsmokers or Diplo that wants to get into Web3, but recognize that they have a bigger target on their back, I think doing a drop that gives fans a percentage of master ownership is a great way to be able to tap into Web3 while also making sure that you're sort of giving back in a way that feels very organic in a way that people can really resonate with. You bring up an excellent point, Cooper. And I have, I want to ask you this question. Um, and it's really touching about this whole concept of like tokenizing the artist versus actually issuing a security and the concept of like, are you issuing a security when you're doing this music NFTs, right? And, and is there any anything that from a legal perspective that artists should know when they're either launching their music nft or tokenizing a music piece like can we talk about that line yeah there's two things here i think i want to add on to my last point and just say that right now we do not have great channels for people to tokenize their music most of these platforms are curated and if i want to go and upload a music nft i have to do that either on a curated platform where i get an assigned date three months in the future or i have to do that just through something like zora OpenSea, mint songs which is more of an open platform and if we think about the evolution of this industry, I think we need better systems where I can go and upload a music NFT in the same way that I uploaded a song to SoundCloud. And I don't think there needs to be as much pressure behind it. I don't think a lot of artists want to market their music. I think they just want to be active in the space. They're not necessarily trying to make a huge drop out of everything. And so as we have more channels to allow people just to experiment and get out there in the same way that they were uploading before, I think that's going to foster a really healthy community. And Ali, the reason that I wanted to bring us there is I think that this question of sort of like securities and all this, all this nature about like what to do with these assets you know, I'm actually very forward in the sense that I think we really need to push that boundary further. I don't think we've done a good enough job of truly sharing ownership with our collectors yet. And while it may be a scary area to sort of dive into, um, some of the stuff that I'm working on that I'm really excited about is what does it look like if I'm a music NFT holder to get a percentage of secondary sales paid out on ETH on a very recurring basis? And so if I'm collecting these records, I can actually have an asset that's very productive for me. Is that a little bit scary from a legal standpoint? Absolutely. But I'm sort of taking the stance that we need to be a little bit more aggressive about challenging those notions. Because I think in order for these assets to get over the line and people to see that they have value, we need to be very directive in saying, hey, here's tangible assets that are coming back to you. And here are ownership benefits that sort of have not been possible prior to Web3. And if we can make that argument strong enough, I think that's what's going to be the thing that gets both more NFT collectors on board and the things that gets fans to want to jump through those hoops to collect these in the first place. I'm curious when you think about like, how I mean, obviously, the, the, a lot of the underlying ethos in Web three is this notion of like decentralization, democratization. Record labels sit at an interesting place, especially when you look at like major labels. I know the the common narrative is very much the ones that like labels are trying to exploit artists. I think 
It's a very nuanced topic. I think the more leverage that artists create, the better, more favorable deal structures they're able to develop with different record labels. And oftentimes, too, record labels create leverage for artists. So artists can focus on their art and creation and tap into these massive networks of distribution and relationships and marketing. Um, so there is a lot of merit to effective and two positive record label partnerships. What role do you see record labels playing in this kind of new world of Web3 and music NFTs, if any? I think record labels are going to be extremely additive to artist economies over a long enough time horizon. I think right now, labels are not as caught up on the day-to-day nuances of music NFTs. And so it's very difficult for them to slot in. But I think in the same way that labels are adding playlisting support, they're adding sort of marketing support and you know, moving forward, maybe even community, community management support, I think there's a really valuable role for them to play. I just don't think they're quite there yet. And so I think what we're seeing right now is that independent artists are thriving with music NFTs because they don't have to go through a big system to be able to even drop in the first place. You know, they don't have to explain it to a major label. But I do think that there's a world in which these labels become pretty hip to this pretty fast. And so rather than taking the narrative that fuck the label, we don't need them at all, I think the better question to ask is where should they actually sit in that conversation? What other partners should I have around the table that's going to make these assets more valuable? And if it becomes a collaborative conversation, I think there's something really special that can happen there. Yeah, those are great points. And, you know, one thing that's really interesting about the music space, too, is just the importance of live performance, of live music, not only in in terms of driving revenue as a touring artist, for whom it's mo- for many artists, it's their leading revenue stream, but also in terms of converting fandom, bringing people from casual listeners to diehard fans. Uh, live performance is instrumental there. In your eyes, how should artists be thinking about integrating Web3 into live performances, into touring, uh, into using their music NFTs to, to, in like a cohesive manner to create value um, in the live space too? I would say at its simplest form, if you are playing a show, it takes five minutes to set up co-ops, which are free NFTs that you can give to your fans. And being able to get those to 25, 50, 100 fans is a really amazing mission to have. They cost absolutely nothing to you. The fans can claim them for free. And what it does is build a social graph of people who actually care about Web3. You know, what you choose to do with those co-ops and those collectors, the thing is up to you. But I would say from the live performance standpoint, getting people familiar with this new world through a collectible asset that represents attendance to a show, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. I still have dozens of tickets sitting in my closet from all these shows that I used to go to, all of these festivals that I've been to, you know, really historic and memorable events. I think that NFTs are going to be the new way that we really commemorate that experience. And if you are an artist that's doing anything in Web3 today, you know, going through the flow of setting up a pull-up and sending out an email blast after to all of your fans, I think is a great way to get started. No, that's an excellent point that you bring up. You know, <clears throat> on that front of engaging your fans and like bringing in and, and really retaining them, right? Like there's a ton of unsold music NFTs. And right now it can be hard to educate and convert existing fans into NFT collectors, right? Like there's a lot, it's, it's, it's said that you can turn an NFT collector into an IRL fan a lot easier than you can an IRL fan into an NFT collector. How do you recommend that musicians and artists and producers find collect their, their first collectors? I want to flip this around and ask you kind of a reverse question about why you don't think that music NFTs are selling right now. Because I agree that they're not selling, but I want to kind of get opinions from you guys on the podcast as well, because I'm so deep into this that I can see this every single day. But as people that are avid NFT collectors, what are some of the blockers that you think would make it more compelling to go out of your way to start collecting music NFTs? To make it more compelling to go out of your way to purchase music NFTs. I mean, I think the big reason why people aren't purchasing music NFTs to start with that part of your question is um, twofold. I think one horribly like the, the user experience, super clunky, creates tons of friction um, that deters the mainstream consumer from engaging in this. I also think what's on the flip side, creating positive precedents are where people are coming up with meaningful utility where the NFT is really just this background technology and people are excited to buy the NFT more based on the actual value proposition of being able to engage in and support and participate with their artists in a new way. Um, I think more and more artists that lean thoughtfully into that will help it. And then also too, is like more mainstream culturally relevant artists start to thoughtfully leverage these like positive use cases that push the space forward in a positive way it's going to start to create this like massive consumer mindset shift because similarly just the mainstream consumer markets like very hesitant just to engage with nfts right now it's it's kind of like a taboo word in lots of different communities and subcultures so 
and then yeah, more more cool artists doing more creative things that meaningfully contribute to their fans with NFTs is this like background layer rather than like at the forefront is what's going to really foster adoption and, and get people to buy in. But until then, it's like kind of have to play to people that are already educated in the space. I'll, I'll add one thing too, uh, if, if I can. Um, I, I think that's a great point that Sam makes. And, you know, I, I think if you think about it, probably the majority of music fans worldwide are not in the NFT space yet. Certainly, yep. you know. And so what's interesting is you think about the markets that are current that currently exist. A lot of them are being driven by a very small percentage of people who are. And a lot of those people who are, are making investment decisions based on speculation. And there are surer bets in the market than music NFTs. And I think that that will change as we get far more, uh, like a far more diverse array of consumer priorities into the space. Um, but right now, um, you're more likely to get uh, a, a 2x or a 3x from a, a hyped PFP mint than from a music NFT. Uh, and and that, that's just, that just is what it is currently. Uh, and I hope to see that change. But like Matt and Sam bring up an excellent point, and I just got to mention, like they they bring up a, a very educated and very uh, knowledgeable viewpoint. For me, I'm like very much new to the music industry, and, and like I'm getting to know the music industry by osmosis, like in a really great way, especially through the Web three lens. So it's been really dope to really learn about this whole concept. Um, but I think for me, music has a a, a an element that's more, and there's an element of intimacy that's deeper than uh, a visual artist or a pfp community right like a visual artist you can you can snatch the eye really quickly right like it snatches your eye boom oh you like it yes no it's usually binary it speaks to you right we live in a very visually stimulated world where like instagram and twitter it's all about the visual right so our eyes are more keen to do that i feel that like as a as a music collector right and somebody who i'm learning to be a music collector i really have to devote an invasive time to listen to a 90 second or two minute, even a three minute NFT song, right? Because like, I want to know that I'm investing in something that I'd enjoy, right? Like, I don't want to just hold on to certain music NFTs that I don't enjoy, right? Like, there's been a lot of artists who have amazingly done amazing things in the NFT space that I don't enjoy their music, right? I'm like, yo, I respect you. I see you. I salute you. Just not going to vibe on my playlist, right? And so I have to honor that. So I think that that commitment of time, especially three minutes in a world where it's like everything's overstimulated um, for me. And that's a really great question is like, do I connect with the artist? Does it, does it have a vibe? Does he, does he or she have a vibe? Do they have a representation of, of a part of culture that I can see value in that I don't participate in? Right. Is that, are they part of a hub that I don't necessarily know how to navigate. And is that a hub that has its own language? Does it have its own rituals? Does it have its own practices? Like I love artists who create culture. I feel like there's artists who are part of culture and then there are artists who create culture, right? Um, and like, I really love collecting the music artists who are creating the culture, right? Like I think a very great example of somebody who does this really, really well. And I think like it's undeniably is Latasha for the Web3 community, right? Like she is creating culture around her NFTs, around her music. And not only is she doing so promoting her work, she is le legitimately opening up pathways for other Web3 artists or other artists, musicians, creators to really prosper in that creation of her doors that are opening, right? So I think that that, that element for me, like Latasha makes no, it's like, it's a zero-sum question. Like, yes, of course I'm going to buy it, whether I like it or not, because she's a culture creator, right? And then there's a, there's artists who are part of the culture that there's some that I'm like, yo, that's cool, but I'm not going to get that NFT. But others where I'm like, yeah, I vibe with that. That's dope. Cool. Yeah, I think that music is extremely subjective, which makes it difficult to resonate with people across the board. You know, as you mentioned, you do have to be a fan of an artist or a song to get involved in the first place. I think the biggest opportunity here is to create that new wave of culture within music. One of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this is the early SoundCloud era shaped so much of my life. And what was so beautiful about that is that it wasn't celebrities uploading to SoundCloud. It was people getting famous off the back of using SoundCloud. And so a lot of what I'm looking to do with music NFTs right now is not necessarily working on getting all of the biggest artists in the world on board. I think there's a bunch of amazing players that are doing that. And that's an extremely valuable thing to do. But how do we create new artist projects and new cultural inflection points to say, hey, there is something happening here and there is something bubbling. 
And to Matt's point, I think for a lot of people, the culture is not getting the job done. You know, most people out here want to buy NFTs as an investment to make a return on that. That is absolutely no different from music. And the reality is right now, except for a very, very, very small few amount of drops, people have not made money off of trading music NFTs. And we have not seen these secondary market opportunities that make them feel exciting or even further like they're a sure bet. And so we kind of have this early wave of adopters that are collecting basically to be a part of a culture, but that culture is not yet broken out. And so to Sam's point there, I think that utility is a good middle ground. I think I struggle because if we get artists to think that they need to be giving all of their collectors these like really crazy experiences or be talking to them every day, it can become sort of a vortex in and of itself. But I think there is a middle ground where- that's a really excellent point, Cooper. I think like the the hyper arousal or need for like utility and everything. Like I remember the days, and you bring up an excellent point. Like the beginning of the NFT boom pre the Beeple purchase was you were just buying art. We were just buying art, right? Like Nifty Gateway drops. We were doing it on like people's their own drops on Bitski. We were hanging out on Twitter. Like no one was ever like, Yo, Fuel just dropped this one. Yo, Fuel, what's the utility, right? Or there wasn't ever like an X copy being dropped and being like, yo, X copy, what's the utility? I just wanted to highlight that. And that's an excellent point because I think that that question around utility brings an unnecessary level of stress that actually creates unrealistic expectations in the relationship between the creator, the collector. And it just sets, it just sets everyone up for disappointment. It's a healthy question to ask because I think that utility is directly tied to quantity. So if I'm releasing a one-of-one NFT, I think it's expected that I create an experience that's very special for that one owner. I think as we zoom out and I'm releasing 25, 100, 1,000, and eventually 10,000, the more NFTs that you have, the harder it is going to be to deliver a consistent utility experience. I think it's really positive that we ask artists, how do we create deeper relationships with our collectors? Because those are the people that are spending the most time effort and money on it. But I think what we need to be careful of is not to make it a requirement that everything needs to have some utility associated with it. But what we're going to see is those artists that go out of their way to actually create better utility for those collectors are going to be the ones that have stronger holders. And frankly, the ones that I think are going to perform better in the secondary market. That'll be interesting too. And I'm also like, I do get excited because I think even if you strip off the utility side, like I, I think people like music is interesting because I feel like a lot of people develop their own identity through the music that they consume and the fandom that they express themselves through. I think it's like when you wear a Catronata shirt, it's like, I'm cool. I listen to Catronata. Like, I mean, if we really want to get down to some of the at root psychological drivers and not even about being cool as much as it is, this is the culture I want to celebrate. This is what I personally really enjoy and want to support. And I actually ascribe and define a lot of my identity through affiliation with this musician that I look up to. Um, so I, I think it's interesting and I'm, I'm really fascinated just to see, and this goes across the board for NFTs across different creative mediums, music, art, whatever it may be. But like once this notion of, uh, virtual identity and your NFT collection becomes significantly more like social online right now, like you're seeing Instagram start to roll out these features where you can like have and showcase verified like digital collectibles in your profile and like some of the kind of Coinbase and some of the the vision for the Coinbase NFT platform is to really try and create this much more social experience. I do think as NFT ownership becomes more of this mechanism of expressing social identity online, then we'll start to see a lot of just like the collect, like owning and collecting the actual music just for the art's sake. will get a lot more interesting. I'm curious how you see like social identity evolving in this kind of virtual world. Well, I'll start by saying social identity was the main reason why music NFTs clicked for me. When I was in college, I was in communities like Pretty Lights, STS9, Elenium, Porter Robinson, all of these worlds that had very, very avid fan bases. People were collecting hat pins, they were collecting show posters, they were making merchandise. And it was very obvious to me that for a lot of these fan communities, fans went above and beyond what was expected because they liked being associated with that culture. And so for the first time, I think we now have collectible assets that represent ownership in those communities. I think that's extremely powerful. If we look at something like friends with benefits and the way that people are affiliating with that community, people are holding tokens to be a part of a club, not necessarily because those tokens do something for them. I think music NFTs are very similar, where if I'm collecting different assets from a different artist, it's easier to say, hey, I'm a super fan of this person by virtue of what I'm holding. I think to your point, where I hope that this evolves to is if I go and stream a track on Spotify, I want to be able to collect that canvas art for $5 and have that go into a social graph so I can start to say to people, hey, here's what I like by virtue of what I've collected. And optimistically, if I have a record for someone, 
I can go into a group of other people that have that record and have a deeper conversation because we both have skin in the game. I think to your point, we need a lot better visibility for how those experiences happen, but just seeing how much people really resonate with the fan experience around music and specifically how much they associate their identity with the artists that they love the most. I think that music NFTs are sort of the underpinning for these larger artist economies. So that if I am a fan of a different artist, I can really tap in and start to meet people by virtue of the assets that I'm collecting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I love that. And I think it's it's interesting too, just to like that it, it creates a deeper tie with an artist to have that sense of ownership that just fuels deeper ambassadorship and a deeper desire to kind of drive word of mouth referrals and kind of express that that fandom and affiliation in a, in a deeper and bigger way. I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm helping to champion a movement that a lot of people don't understand. And I think that that's exciting because it feels like a lot of the time I'm on an island where I'm like preaching this you know grand vision of music NFTs. But something I realize is that most people don't have a fan relationship with music. Most people just go on Spotify and they just play a song passively. They don't really know what artist they're listening to. They don't really know anything about that artist. And I think why this is so much different for me is I've spent my whole life being a major fan of all of the artists that I follow. I could tell you their hometown from there from. I could tell you the first time they won a remix contest. I could tell you who their last tour was with and all this stuff. But most people don't have that same relationship with music. And so I think what I'm trying to figure out is how do we get this to a point where like the average listener who could not care at all about the artist that they're listening to wants to engage here. The reality is that's probably not going to be a lot of people. So instead of trying to think about how do we get music NFTs into the hands of everyone who uses Spotify, instead, the question I've been asking is how do we find more people like me, people who have dedicated their entire lives to curation, to community building, to journalism, to all these things that made music so special for me. And if we can make it easier for those people to get on board, I think that there's a really fascinating opportunity to create a new wave of curators. Yeah. No, I mean, super excited to see that come to life. And I, I think too, it's like a lot of people see it from the perspective of this like speculative asset when in reality, I think there's just like a, a fundamental paradigm shift in like how musicians create, engage and grow their communities. And it's like, you can even strip off the part of like buy this because it'll appreciate and value and like still unleash all of the merit and potential of this technology. If we like zoom into that even more too, something I want to highlight is that when you are tokenizing a music NFT, there is so much more design space to do creative games with what you're putting out there. The role that I've been playing for a lot of artist projects now is not necessarily on helping them get on sound XYZ, which I think is extremely difficult, but extremely you know, elevating, it's sort of taking that a step further and saying, how do we build product experiences around music consumption? And so if we're putting out a music NFT, how do we do a generative drop that has different rarity associated with it? How do we do different staking contracts that I can stake the NFT and get ETH back in return? And I think that there's some really exciting opportunities for people who are in Web3 to work more directly with creators to really innovate on the system in which we consume media. I think this is bigger than just music. I think that tokenized media is going to be absolutely massive, which we've all talked about very much. And I see music as really the first medium to get people to understand collecting something that I consume on a daily basis can be valuable. And for someone that has Web3 chops, I think the big opportunity here is not only to act as sort of an onboarding lesson for artists that don't understand the space, but also as a connector where you can find a development team and build a website or build a landing page around someone's next drop so that they don't necessarily need to go through a curated platform. You know, they can kind of create their own experience around it and then sell assets in a way that feels really novel to them. No, I, I I love all those points. Um, I think it's it's really like quite insightful, and uh, you know what, what's interesting to me is that uh, you have this like pre-existing like you think about like the art market and how um, there's a direct model for okay like you know I I found a a young artist who I believe in I start buying their work their work goes to a big gallery their work sells at auction that appreciates there's that value proposition that people understand um and now all of a sudden digital artists have access to that process and and there are fewer intermediaries and gatekeepers those, those are all very positive developments music I think is a little bit harder for people to wrap their heads around um and the collectability of music I mentioned you know that like my father grew up like collecting Beatles memorabilia like rare Beatles memorabilia and what's interesting like learning about like the the music memorabilia market um for you know, all of the highest selling pieces of memorabilia are from artists who are no longer there. It's from it's like Elvis's you know uh, shirt or like Jimi Hendrix's guitar and all that. And it and it really raises this question of like how how what is the value proposition for supporting artists in their lifetime? And I really think it does come down to fandom. It does come down to utility. It does come down to those experiences you speak on. And I, and I think you you really nailed it on the head when you mentioned that most people aren't necessarily music fans. I remember meeting the head of Amazon Music, and he and he told me the the 
the uh, the most common query on, on Amazon Music is Alexa, play music. People just want a backdrop. They just want to, you know, they're, it's not, it's, it, people don't think about this as much as we do. Um, so what I'm curious about is how do we kind of like change the nature of how people think about the collectability of music, you know, so that it's not just artists who are no longer around appreciating because of history and scarcity and all of those very like traditional values that all, that all are very much at play here too, um, but don't really actually help create or build or foster these connections that we know this technology has the potential to enable. Mm. It's a great point. I don't think that we can convince the average person to become more active in their listening experience of music. I think that's a, a losing game. I think the better question is how do we find the people who honestly care about music and spend all their time listening to it to understand that there's a new world here and a lot of fun games to play around with it. I think most of the people who are curating for blogs, most of the people who are curating playlists on major DSPs don't really see there being like a fun opportunity for them to get invested in this culture. And so what I think we need to see is very similar to the early blog era, there needs to be a period of time in music where it becomes cool for you to discover new art. It needs to be fun for you to be able to collect these assets. I think the thing that drove SoundCloud to be so successful was that no one was telling people to go on SoundCloud. No one was doing it because it was their job to. It was just an exciting place to go and discover music. And I think in a lot of ways, we've lost our relationship with going to curate and go digging for deeper songs. And I think in many ways, we're just being fed music. And until we have a space where people are able to come back out and really like select and find songs and care about that repost or care about sharing that song, I don't think it's going to click, but I think the big opportunity here is to recognize that we are just fed music algorithmically right now. And for most people, that's fine. But I think there is a wave of people who really care about the listening experience and want to be seen as a curator. And if we can use Web3 as the new pocket for them to discover new sounds and break artist projects, I think that's going to be the thing that really takes us over the edge. Yeah, no, love that. Can't wait myself. Super excited. In that vein, I know we've been diving super deep down the rabbit hole within this context of like music and NFTs, but obviously we're alluding to this like broader Web3 paradigm shift and landscape, social tokens, DAOs. What are some of the other interesting models beyond NFTs that you think are kind of required reading or that, that musicians and their team should really be aware of when it comes to how they can kind of engage and reward and grow their community and build this more prosperous model? Yeah, I think looking into social clubs is fascinating. There's a project called Seed Club that I'm a really big fan of. They take projects through an incubator that helps them launch a social token or stand up a community. As someone who's been involved with a lot of early DAOs, I think the opportunity here is to get people in the same room by giving them NFTs. But once they're in that same room, using these different processes to build deeper artist to fan relationships. What that looks like is setting up a snapshot to allow your token holders to vote on different things within the community. It looks like setting up a community treasury so you guys have a shared pot to be able to allocate funds from. And on the horizon, we have new platforms like Medallion coming out where you can start to meaningfully engage those fans in ways that feel value added to them. So like we said before, if a fan collects a free NFT of a show of mine and you have a new sale for a tour coming up, it makes perfect sense that people who have collected that NFT might have priority access over someone who didn't. And I think the opportunity here is finding the middle ground between very deep crypto native governance proposals that move the needle on the economic side of things, on the tech side of things. And then on the average fan experience, the utility that allows them to get priority access to things that they already know and love so that they don't have to spend money to be able to experience the benefits of Web3. But there's a crossover in between where both of those worlds come together and make sense. I love that that subject of crossovers <clears throat> because uh, you bring a lot of crossroads into a singular network. And I think one that I'd really love to speak to is your love for philosophy and personal development and managing mental health. And, and in the space of Web3, we know that we're going through somewhat of a real case of mental health balance in our community. I think I think it needs to be spoken of more often and, and I think in more actionable uh, perspectives, but you're, you're someone in the community that's in that shares, you know, more of the stoic leadership, more of the philosophical leader, uh, uh, literature as well. What are you seeing in the community right now that's kind of a uh, raising some red flags for you and that we need to address? And then what are some things that you that you see Web3 really leaning in and being super helpful around the mental health conversation? I think the red flags are us consistently chasing the next 10 or 100x and thinking that you're going to make a lot of money overnight with very little work done on your own behalf. I think the areas that Web3 is doing extremely well is making friends online. For the first time in six months, I've started using Discord again. I'm going in and I'm having meaningful conversation with strangers and they feel extremely productive to me. And so your question about mental health and how to get through a market like this, I think it's less about looking for investment opportunities. I think that's the thing that's going to cause a lot of negative mental health issues. And the thing that's going to help you get through that is really just finding pockets of 
five, 10, 25 people who are all very invested in the same idea as you and spending a lot of time on it. I would say as someone who's been in Web3 for coming up on five years now, without a doubt, the space has changed my life. And so I'm extremely biased. But what I noticed is that all of my best connections in Web3 were created during the bear market. It was in 2018, going to developer conferences in Singapore and Japan, South America, Europe, et cetera, et cetera. And to our earlier point about culture, the reason why Web3 has prevailed is because this culture is not going to go anywhere. And in fact, it's getting a lot bigger. And so now a lot of the time when I'm talking to artist managers and different people that are interested in the space, I focus a lot less on saying, like, how do we open this up to a much wider range of people? And I focus a lot more on saying, like, within this very, very small pocket that only a very small amount of people care about, there are some really exciting experiments going on. And if you zoom into those communities, you can sort of connect with people on a deeper level than you can in your day-to-day life. I think that opportunity for you to have productive, value-added conversations about community growth and about empowerment and around you know, self-sovereignty and ownership, it really allows people to kind of sit in the driver's seat with their career. And as someone who used to work for a lot of DAOs, I would say the exciting next chapter here is basically you spending the next year deciding what you want to work on. You know, the, the ocean is open. There's a ton of different opportunity. Every team has a roadmap out there they're looking to execute against. And if you're someone that's passionate about the space and has the time and effort to contribute, you can really make a name by yourself just by joining a Discord server, being really consistent and finding ways to add value to that community and eventually being hired to be full-time on what you know and love. Yeah, no, just great points. And you know, as we zoom out a little bit, you know, so much talk of the metaverse, obviously, so much, you know, so many people looking ahead. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What does the future of music fandom look like in the next five years, the next 10 years? Like, what does that look like in a metaverse context? I think it's recurring virtual spaces. I recently went to a dome performance down at South by Southwest and then another one at Coachella. And I thought the 3D dome experience was fantastic. You went into this like small room and you had this like all immersive visual experience behind you. And so I think creating more intimate social experiences for music consumption is going to be extremely valuable. I mean, we saw this early on with like Travis Scott performing in Fortnite, but I think we've only scratched the surface of what that looks like. I think eventually over time, people are going to wear their artist identity very natively through Web3 and through these experiences in the metaverse. Where if I'm an artist that has a show, it's not necessarily always at, um, you know, the Fonda in LA on the 29th at 7 p.m. You know, we can be having a recurring virtual space online where someone can come from Japan and someone can come from Los Angeles, and we can both be wearing our skins and our gear with that artist and have a really amazing social experience. And so to directly answer that question, I think it's a far way away from us getting true immersive experiences in the metaverse. But I think the biggest unlock that I've seen for music consumption is the idea of listening parties. And so for those who aren't familiar, on SoundXYZ, when there's a drop, typically it will be a countdown. And when the song comes out, everyone comes together and listens to that track at the same time. And at the end of that listening experience, you can then go and collect a version of that song. I've started to recognize that listening experiences and listening parties are extremely powerful for artist bonding. And to your point about how the metaverse is going to affect this, I think instead of us having to drive to a Capitol Records building to listen to a record with 20 people who work in the music industry, we are creating these listening parties for the fan base at large, where there can be a thousand people in a Discord server, a thousand people in a Discord chat, all listening to this music together. And I think when we set up these structures, people are going to resonate a lot more with these records and it's going to allow for a lot deeper relationships to be built. Here for that. Here, cheers to that future. Um, as we come towards the close, man, what are you working on? What do you have in the works? What's coming up? Let's get some of the, the Cooper Alpha. Absolutely. Well, I'd say first and foremost, if you're looking for the Alpha on the daily, This Week in Music NFTs, it's a newsletter that I publish every Monday. It's all of the top drops that I'm seeing, all of the best stories, all the best artists. I um, would highly recommend checking it out. It's free to subscribe. I've been working as a project manager on an artist project named Roki, which I've been really excited about. And so this is basically creating a music NFT artist from the ground up, which has been a fascinating design experiment. I've been working with a lot of artists on standing up bigger drops for their album releases. So instead of necessarily having to go directly through a curated platform, what does it look like to build a landing page and sell a thousand copies of your album with the rarity game included in it? I'd say more broadly, I'm always looking to invest in early stage founders that are doing really amazing stuff for the space. Um, Generative music, I think is fascinating right now. We have projects like Camp Chaos from Song Camp. We have platforms like Beat Foundry and Soundment. And I think there's a lot of people that are experimenting with new ways to output music into the world right now, which has been fascinating. And the last area that I'll touch on is just this emergence of what I call Metastars and Web3 labels. So basically artists that exist natively in the metaverse, they've only been created through Web3 and these service providers that are basically creating all of the underlying lore for them, helping to distribute their music NFTs. Um, there's a project called Hume Collective, which I think is fascinating. Their first artist is a fluff world avatar named Angel Baby. And so if we talk about culture, this is an artist that only lives in Web3. 
They were created using a fluff world avatar and they're being backed by a Web3 label that's making assets and stories and narratives for them. And I think that opportunity to really create these new ideas and concepts and culture around Web3, but through the canvas of music has been fascinating. And so a lot of what I'm looking for right now is basically who is pushing the needle on culture in the space? You know, who is someone that's sort of telling a story that hasn't been told before? And I think as you look deeper into that, you're noticing that there's a big wave of people who want to challenge the way that we've released music in the past and create deeper artist relationships around it. And that's where I've been spending most of my time trying to figure out. That's amazing, man. Well, super excited, super grateful for all that you do within the music NFT community and beyond, man. I think um, definitely a, a big voice and helping push a lot of light and helping uplift lots of different artists. So keep up all the great work, man. And super grateful that you're able to stop by today and uh, shed some knowledge with us, man. Thank you. Yeah. And for people that want to stay up with it, I'm most active on Twitter at Koopa Troopa. I'm also posting a lot more on Instagram these days um, at Koopa Troopa as well. I would say there's a very long way to go with music NFTs. I appreciate you guys giving me a platform because I know this is something that's still very new and emerging. And I think for a lot of people, it's a concept that they don't really care about, but it's something that I am extremely passionate about. You know, I've never found a place for me to be more vocal about the stuff that I love through a canvas that I think is really important. So, you know, for all you guys on here, I know that you're big music fans and it's really just amazing to be able to come on here and talk about the full circle moment. And I look forward to doing it again soon. Let's get it, brother. All right, Cooper. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Cheers, guys. Man, that was a, that was a fun episode. I always think I, I talk fast sometimes. Then I talk to Cooper, and I'm like, this dude's rapid fire with the with the gold. So super grateful he was able to really deconstruct everything in the way that he did. What stood out to you guys? You know, Cooper speaks in sound bites in a really great way. He is an excellent communicator, and he's very clear about it. Um, I loved his perspective on uh, how he is very self aware that he's championing a movement that people most people don't understand. And, and the kind of hurdles that go along with that. Um, I, I really, I, I found that um, especially like illuminating to hear um, how he is sort of like using his own experience as a music fan, you know, finding community, finding uh, friendship in uh, fan bases like you spoke of, like STS9, like Pretty Lights, et cetera, and thinking about how you can apply that to the Web3 context. Um, you know, he's an important voice in the space and there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack from that episode. Yeah, man. And I like likewise. And I think like his articulation makes it so simple for the everyday person to actually understand what's going on. And especially in day and age with asosteric terms and very in the know language, it can be really daunting for somebody who's entering the space to see that. And Cooper really distills it really, really well. Um, to that note, I really loved the way that he articulated the opportunities that are yet to come and how specific brands who are looking for a very niche and very engaged community versus like asking the question of like hey how can this go to everybody no it's, he's like actually engaging the brands who want to engage a very specific notion and a specific demo that that was really key and very telling of building a strong rooted community and a strong foundation for the artist and creator. Well, super grateful to have Cooper on. Uh, incredible to see all he's doing to uplift and support the music NFT community and, and super excited to see what the, the future has in store. I think it's going to be very fun to see how this uh, evolves in the coming months and years. Um, well, there you have it. Another week, another NFT Now podcast episode. Appreciate your continued support. We'll be back next week. Until then, we out. We out.